We begin the current and last daf in Seftas Babakama daf kuf yud tes. Begin on the second line down for the top of the yamin. The gemara continues explaining the halacha of our mishnah, continuing on the theme of these last two prokim regarding the halachas of gizela about theft. Specifically, when someone's purchasing something from somebody, does he have to assume or suspect that this person is selling a stolen goods and therefore not to buy from him, or he could buy from him? So the Mishnah said, as Agamor quotes, is one is not allowed to purchase from those who are the watchmen for the fruits to buy from him wood or fruits because there's obviously a suspicion that he took it from the person that he's watching it for. Now the Gemara actually brings an incident that Rava Zav and Shabishta Marisa. Rava had bought a, a, a bunch of vines from a sharecropper. So I'm like, Abaya, Abaya asked him, but Vatanan, we're in the halacha in our Mishnah that we just quoted, it says, Beloy Mishem Paris. one is not allowed to purchase from someone that watches someone else's produce, eats him, the, that is pieces from the tree, Uperis, and fruits. How can you buy from a sharecropper who works and protects for an owner fruits when the Mishnah teaches that from a shame Paris you can't buy from him because we have to suspect that he stole it from the owner? So Malay, so Rabbi said to him, he says, Hanamili Bishemer. That was talking about by a watchman, the Leslie Begufa de Aramidi, who he doesn't have any rights and, and profits from the, the actual land itself, because the way he gets paid the watchman is with money. So he has nothing, no rights in the wood or the, or the fruits. Aval Aris, the Isle Begave, but a sharecropper, the way he gets paid is he actually shears in the rights of the vines and the wood and the wine. So even but then Afshikamazman said we could say, we don't suspect that he stole it from the owner. We could say that he that he's selling from his own stuff, his own shear in the fruits, and therefore I was able to buy from him these chavilis, myris, these branches of the vines. Tanaban went in the Brisa, continuing on this halacha. Shaimi Paris, although he mentioned the mission, you're not allowed to purchase from those who watch fruits. But says the Brites, like him, and you could purchase from them, if they're sitting and they're selling, the baskets are in front of them, they have these huge scales in front of them, and they're selling by weight, the way the, the merchants sell. Now the reason why in this case you could buy from them is because they're selling all out in the open with these big scales, these big baskets. Obviously they didn't steal it because or else they'd be caught. But, in actuality, that's what the Bryce says, if a cool hotman, but if in all these situations, if he says, hide it, then also, then forbidden, then there's reason for us to suspect that yes, then he stole it from the owner who he was watching the periods for. So to leikrimahen mi Pesach hagina, you could purchase from them if it's by the entryway of the garden, because then he wouldn't straight out in, in the front of the garden sell what he stole from the owner. Avaloi macharagina, not the back door of the garden, which then you have to suspect that he's doing it in secrecy because he stole it from the owner. Itmar, we learned Gazlin me'imas mutar likna semena. Someone that we know is a robber, when is it permitted to purchase things from him? Or do we have to suspect what he's selling is stolen goods and therefore you can't buy from him? So Ravama, he says, until the majority of the things that he owns, that is his money, is Mishalai, is from his own, meaning that was not stolen, then you go after the laws of majority, and then you can benefit from that person, you can buy from him. He disagrees, says, no, even if only a minority of what this guy owns is his own and wasn't stolen, you could say that what you're buying from him is from his own things and you don't have to say that it was from stolen goods and therefore you could buy from him. As long as not everything of his is stolen, you could say what you're buying is his and wasn't stolen goods. And actually, Rabbi Huda had taught and directed Ada, who was the name of the person that was Dayala, he was the attendant of the rabbis, like this opinion of Shmuel, who says, no, even if the guy's only minority of his stuff was not stolen, you could buy from him and you could say that what you're buying is not from the stolen goods. 
Now again, that's in contrast to the previous case where we're suspecting that that actually with the Shem and Paris was from the stolen goods, then you can't buy from him. But if even the minority of the, what you're buying from the person is his own, you could say that it's his own stuff. Says the Gemara, Mamin Maser. The money of a miser, of what's called a malshan, an informer, who the word of master is that he gives over a person's money to the authorities, to non-Jewish people who are taking it inappropriately. This person is giving it over. He's called a miser. So the money of that's owned by this informer, there's a machlekes, Rav Huna, Rav Yehuda. Chad Amar Mutala Biyad. One says you could actually physically, directly destroy that guy's money. The other one says, no, you're not going to go ahead and physically destroy and ruin that informer's money. So what's the machlik? So the Gemara explains. The one who says, you're allowed to go ahead and physically destroy that informer's money. is because The informer's money should not be any better than the informer's body. Because as the Gemara tells in the second paragraph, that we are allowed to physically harm the body of the informer. As the Mishnah there teaches that the minin Carson and those who are informers, you can have them lowered down into a pit and you don't bring them up. So therefore, the money shouldn't be any better than the guy's body. If you can physically destroy his body, then you can do that too, his money. But according to the opinion who says that you're not allowed to destroy it, is because it's not for him, you're right. For the guy himself, his money is not any better than his body. But he might have upstanding children. In the Pasuk, in Eve says, Yochin Rasha. The wicked prepare bitzad the gilbush, and the righteous put it on. So yes, his money for him you could destroy, but he might have righteous children who will inherit him, and we don't want them to have that loss, and therefore you're not allowed to destroy the informer's money. The Gemara continues on this theme about a wicked preparing and the righteous consuming. Rav Chizda had a certain sharecropper to have a tokel v'yohiv. He would measure and give to Rav Chizda. The tokel he would measure and take for himself which means he was very precise in the way he divided, and he didn't give up even just an iota of his own thing when he was giving to Rav Chizda, who was the owner. Or another interpretation is that he would take half, when really the sharecroppers was to take a third. So Salke, so Rav Chizda got rid of this sharecropper, and Karyanavshe, he said on himself, Rav Chizda, Apostle Gemishle, a similar theme, but Safan Lat Tzadik, and it's hidden for the righteous, Chel Chayte, the wealth of the sinner which in this case Rav Chizda was the tzaddik, and the sharecropper was the sinner, and his wealth was hidden for Rav Chizda, who removed him and took his portion, what the sharecropper was always taking from Rav Chizda. Related theme, Gemara brings a Pasuk in Eiv, that says, What is the hope of the liar, the flatterer who steals? That HaKadosh Baruch who goes and throws away his soul, and makes, because of him, a soul being taken away. What does that mean? So, Rav Huna Rav Chizah, One says, this guy who's stealing from somebody else, is making Hashem take away the soul of the one he's stealing from. The other opinion says, no, it's Hashem's taking away the soul of the guy who's stealing. As the Gemara explains, The one who says that it's the soul of one who's being stolen from, that Hashem takes away his life, so like it says the Pasuk in Mishle, it says, Kain is called That's the way of all those who steal. As nefesh ba'al of yikach, they take away the soul of the one that they're stealing from. Having stealing from somebody is like you're taking away his life. And that's the life Hashem's taking away because of this ganav. Now, man dom and nafsh gazan, the one who says that it's Hashem takes away the soul of the robber, that he dies. So like it says the Pasuk in Mishle, it says, Al tigzal dal kildalhu. 
don't rob from a pauper because he's poor, meaning even though he's poor and he has nothing to steal from, still don't steal from him. What does that mean? And don't oppress the pauper in the gate, meaning that is the leket, shikha, peya, which are the, 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 the gifts that are given to the poor, which are divided by the shar, which is by the gate, don't oppress them over there, let them get what they rightfully deserve. Because Hashem will contend their contention. And He will steal the soul of those who rob from them. So you see that if someone steals from somebody, he's going to die. Now the Gemara asks, but this opinion also that says that it's the nefesh of the gazlan that gets taken away. What do you do with the other one's pasuk that says that it's the ganav steals the soul of the one that he's stealing from? It's the nigzal. So that the Gemara says, my Balav, they say, what does it mean Hashem takes away the soul of the Ba'ilam? Ba'ilam the Hashta, it means the owner of the money now, meaning this Gazlan, who now he became the owner of the money because he stole it from, the, from that other person. Hashem takes away the soul of the Ba'ilam of that money, which is now the Gazlan, he's the one that dies. That's, it's referring to him, not the Nigzal. Now the Gemara says, but the other opinion that says that it was the Nigzal, the victim, that it's his soul that gets taken away. But but we have this pasuk of the other mandamer that says that Hashem takes away the soul of the one who's robbing from the other person, which is the assailant. And that says the Gemara, no, ma tam kama. He learns the pasuk as in giving a reason, a rationale. Ma tam Why is it that Hashem robs from those who robs from other people? Mishum because they steal other people's souls again. Because the one who's dying is the one that gets stolen from, not the one who is stealing. Now, continuing on this theme, Amr B'yechanin says, Someone that steals from his friend, even the lowest denomination of currency, just worth a pruta, and it's like you stole his soul from him. Shnemak says in the Pasuk, as we quoted before, that's the way of all those who steal, they're taking away the soul of the one who they're stealing from. So there's a Pasuk in Yirmi that says, that they'll eat your, what you reap and your bread, and it's going to be compared to you as if, which the word in the Pasuk should be, as if they ate up your son and your daughter, because now you have nothing more to give them and provide for them. Again, it's like stealing the soul of your children. Baimel, like it says a Pasuk in Yael, it says, Mechamas b'nei Yehuda, from the extortion of the, the people of Judea, meaning from the, from the robbery that they did, so I consider on, on them as if, as if they spilled innocent blood in their land just from stealing from them, it's like they killed them. So Tevayim, it says a passage in Shmuel Beis, it says, El Shol, Vel Beis Adam, to Shol, and to the house of bloods, because they killed the Gevayim, which as the Gemara will shortly explain, they didn't really kill the Gevayim Shol. He killed the Kahanim of the city of Naiv, who provided water and, and food for the Gevayim, because the Gevayim were these people that had come from a different people, and they had feigned that they were not supposed to be killed, and they converted. They, they served the Mizbeach, which they were the woodchoppers and the water carriers, and the Kahanim provided for them. Then when Shol killed them out, it was considered as if he killed the Gevayim, because now he stole the food from the Gevayim. So the Gemara explains, my Vahima, what are all these Pesukim to say the same idea? Well, what, why, didn't, why wasn't it enough with the first Pasuk to say this idea, that if you steal from someone, it's like you're taking away his Neshama. So that the Gemara says, because... If you only had the first pasuk, you would think that if you steal from somebody, it's like you stole his soul. But from the pasuk as nefesh bal of yikach, you wouldn't know only regarding the guy you stole from. 
but you wouldn't know that if you steal from somebody, it's like as if you stole even his children's souls. That it's even considered as if he stole the soul of his sons and daughters. And if you're going to say, you would say, okay, when is it considered like you're stealing someone's soul if you just take away the thing and you don't give him money? But when you give him money, which is what's called a chamsen, uh, an extortion, extortionist gives money, but he forcibly takes the item that the person didn't want to sell, then you would say, Loi. that over there we wouldn't say the same idea that it's like you're stealing the person's soul because you gave him the money. Tashma, that's what it brings the other pasik, Mechames ben Yehuda, which is again this idea about Chamsen, which is about extortion, that you, you force the guy to give you the money, you, to give you the object and you give him the money, still Asher Shavchud Damnaki Ba'artam is still considered as if they spilled innocent blood in their lands. And still, if you're going to say, maybe that's only if you do it actively that you steal that item from the other person, then it's like you stole his soul. But if you just indirectly caused that the person should lose the money, then it's not like you stole his soul. That's what the Pasuk brings. In the house of bloods, for this that they killed the Givainim. Now, where do we find that Shal killed the Givainim? Rather, because he killed out the city of, of Noiv, which was the city of the Kahanim. So you must speak in Lehen Mayimamazan that they provided for the Givainim water and food. Even though it's just a grammar, indirect cause, that the Pasuk considers as if Shal killed the Givainim, again, for taking away money and food from someone else. Now, the Mishnah had said, but however, a person could purchase from women certain items. And it's not, we don't have to be concerned that we're stealing from the husband. So the Gemara expounds on this term, but we'll learn the We can purchase from women, woolen garments in Judea, and linen garments in the Galil. You cannot purchase from them, however, wine and oil and flour, because those types of items are normal for a man to sell it. He doesn't usually make his, woman, his wife an agent to do that, and therefore we have to be concerned that maybe she stole it from her husband. So too, you can't purchase from slaves or from children. We have to be suspect. Now, Abishol Omer, he says, A woman could sell an item up to four or five dinarim from that. Can they last this key polaration that she can make a head covering for her, a kerchief for her head? Meaning in those types of amounts, a husband's not particular because he wants her to have certain little things that she, that she needs for herself and therefore he gives her um, amounts of that amount to sell, and therefore you could buy from her. Now, however, in all these situations, if she says, oh, here, buy this for me, but hide it, then it's forbidden again, because then you still have to suspect that she stole it from her husband. A charity collector could take from a woman charity a small amount, again, but not a large amount, again, a small amount that is allowed, but more than that, you have to suspect that the husband was not willing, and it's considered stealing from her husband. The Habadadin, those who own the, the olive presses, which they're merchants in oil, so Leichin Mehen, you could purchase from their wives, Zaysim, olives, Bemida in a measurement, Veshem Bemida, and oil in a measurement. In other words, that if they're selling out in the open and a large amount, so you can't say that she stole that because then she would have done it in private. So those are the types of things which you know for sure she's not stealing and therefore you could buy from her. You cannot buy a small amount of oil, a small amount of olives, because we have to suspect that she stole it, and she could do this without him ever noticing, because it's just a small amount that she's siphoning off, therefore those amounts you can't buy from her. 
Now, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, he says, You could purchase from a woman a small amount of olives if it's begalil ho'elyon. In the upper Galilee, where their oil is very expensive, and the husband is particular, you would, he would notice even a small amount, so therefore, it's not a problem even with a small amount. And the reason why you could buy it, even though it's a woman selling, is sometimes a man is embarrassed to sell by the doorway of his house. And so he gives it to his wife and she sells it. So it makes sense that a husband would. And moreover, even if she would be stealing from him, even if it's a small amount, he would notice. And therefore, we don't have to be suspect that she stole this from her husband. Now, the Gemara brings a story regarding one of the halachas we just mentioned that Ravina, who he was a, a charity collector, so he came to the place of Mechuzah, so the women of Mechuzah, they came and they, they, gave, they threw in front of him for charity these golden chains, the Shere, and these bracelets, and he received it from them, he took it from them for charity. So Amalei Rav Teisvalu Ravina says, "Bava Tanu learned this price that we just quoted. Gabe Tzedaka Mekamel Handavim Muit. A charity collector could take from women a small amount of Tzedaka. Avaloi Dav Muit, but not a large amount. Here you're taking bracelets and golden chains." So Amalei said to him, "No, honey, these things Lebnei Mechuza for the people of Mechuza who they're very wealthy. Davim Muit Ninu. That's considered a small amount for them. That's insignificant, and therefore that is not problematic. The husband would not be particular, and that's why he could take it." Now the Gemara continues with the last and final Mishnah of this Masechtam, continuing on the theme of the previous Mishnah regarding workers and what we have to suspect is theirs or that it was stolen and therefore you cannot buy this from them. So the Mishnah gives general outlines and then the Gemara brings a brice regarding purchasing from them. Meichen, which Meichen is any soft type of a thing like cotton or shearings of wool that are soft from an animal or worn out uh, worn out garments. So regarding these meichen, shakoivis meitzi, which in this context, it means that there's a launderer when the, the, you have a woolen garment, a small amount comes off from it when they're doing the rinsing, the, the laundering process. So those little things that come out, the homeowner is not particular about those few threads that come out, these few s- small soft pieces. And therefore, the halach is harei So it belongs to the launderer, he could keep it and even if, let's say, the owner would be particular, it's not considered something significant halachically that he could be particular, and the launderer could keep it. Now, the Hasairik, however, the Sairik, who that's actually the name of a profession, and the reason being is because it comes from the word of combing, that he would take uh, combs made out of thorns and comb the, the garment. If he is mighty, through, if he takes out of the garment through his combings, these meichen, so in this case, hari'elu shabalabayis. That actually belongs to the homeowner because when he's combing it, a significant amount comes out. And therefore, the owner would not be forgiving for that what comes out. And therefore, that goes to the homeowner. The Mishnah tells us that a launderer takes three threads. Now, what that means is because the way it would work that when people would, would a tailor would weave a garment, a woolen garment. So they would weave three threads of a different type at the edge of the garment. And now when the launderer comes to, to wash it, he would take them off and then smooth out the garment and make it nice. He would take out these three threads. So says the, the Mishnah, he takes them, and they belong to him. The, the launderer could keep it. Now, yes, if it's more than three threads, then that's a really significant thing, and that goes to the homeowner. It's not his. Now, however, if the thread that was put on there at the edge of the garment by the tailor was shachar al-gabi it was actually black 
on top of a garment that was totally woven white, then then the, the launderer could take all the threads. And the reason is because black doesn't look well, um, these few threads on top of a white garment. So even if it's more than three, he could take them and he could keep it for himself, the launderer. So now we're going on to a tailor that leaves over from the thread, meaning he, he's given thread by the owner to, to sew for him and make for him a garment. When he's done with the, making the garment and he's left over with thread, that's um, enough kedelit for bite that a person could use to sew with. And the will explain exactly what is that measurement. Or umatlishi gimel al gimel. Or if there's the tailor that evens out what he had stitched and he cuts off on the edge a small piece of the garment, which at least three finger breadths by three finger breadths. So those are significant amounts of things, of thread or of the garment, so therefore that belongs to the homeowner. What a carpenter takes off with this tool that he uses, which Rasha says is dildar balaz, which is a small type of a, a saw that's small and it takes off these small little uh, shavings and that he smooths out, so the shavings that come off are, are very small, so this carpenter can keep those small little shavings that, that come off. They're insignificant. The homeowner wouldn't care about it. But but regarding this hatchet that he uses, which chops off large chunks of what he's cutting, that's significant. That belongs to the homeowner. Now, if this worker was working by the, by the owner, in other words, it wasn't what's called a koblen, which is someone that has con, a, con, a contract. Rather, he, he gets paid by the hour, paid by the day, and he's working by the, by the owner doing a job for him. Then af, and the gear says hanasiris. Then even the shavings, which are very, very thin, that comes out from a drill, which are very thin, still, even that, all those situations will be shalbalabais, will belong to the homeowner, because in contrast, the ratio is talking about a koblen, who accepted upon himself to do a certain job with a certain amount of money. So then those things are, belong to him. But when he's working for someone, just doing work for him, nothing here is owned by him, and therefore, what, even, even the small little shavings are not his, it all belongs to the homeowner. So the Mermaid's term on the Bryce that expounds on these halachas. As we open up the Mishnah, a person could, could purchase, this is what the significance is regarding Gizela, the Mishnah was told about what's his, what's not his, here the Bryce extends it to someone else, could purchase these Th- these, these pieces of the, of the garment that come out from the cleaning of the, what the launderer does, those meichen, those small little uh, soft pieces of the wool, he can purchase from him nation because they're his, as we said in the Mishnah, because the, the owner is not particular about it. So to hakavis, the launderer could take the two upper threads off the garment, and they're his, which tomorrow will address, similarly we said in the Mishnah that he could take when there are three threads, and here it's only saying two, now, but as we continue to Ahmed Bey's, another halach is, However, the launderer, when he's doing his laundering, the part of the process is going to require putting loops onto the garment. He shouldn't put on more than three stitches for the loops. Now, the way it is, is as Rash explains, that when they would be syric, as we said, they would comb the garment, so they would put the loops that were sewn on, the stitched on to the length of the garment, to be able to stretch it on either side of the garment so that when they were combing, they would hit it with sticks. And this was a process called teaseling. 
that is, it, it's, it smoothed out and beautified the garment. Now, when it was done, so then the place where the, the loops were tied on got stretched out a little bit because you had to pull it. So then he would smooth it out and take off those threads which were hanging out of it and keep it for himself, as we say later on, that he could keep those parts for himself. So that's what the Tana is teaching, that he shouldn't stitch each one of these loops very tight so that he shouldn't be able to take it very, because then it's going to get very stretched out and more threads are going to come out and then he's going to keep it for himself. Rather, only three stitches for every, you know, the three loops and three stitches for the, for the, for the, that was stitched on, that's a certain amount. But more than three of these chuvin, he can't make because then it's going to stretch it out all over and he's going to have the, the, these places where he's going to pull out all the threads. He can't have more than three of these chuvin. Another halacha is below Yisrik habeged l'shisye. So again, we said this process about combing it. He can't do it for along the warp threads, which those are the vertical threads, how the garment is made. You have threads that are straight, vertical, and then you have those which will go crisscross. Those are called the weft, which will go horizontal. So when you're combing it, you can't comb it along those which are the warp threads. Only from left to right, which is the, which is the, weft, which is the weft threads. And moreover, when you even it out, which is again this place that we spoke about, which is where the threads which were stretched out over there that you cut off with a scissors to take off those threads, so then you do it la arca, you do it along the length of the garment, as we said, that's where you, you stretch it out, you hold it from the length, but not on the width, not the top and the bottom. Now, now if you're coming to even it out by taking off these threads on the side, up until a tefach, meaning you're going to take off these, these, these strips, which are width of a tefach, and then Rishai, if it's up to a tefach, then you could take it off, and then you could keep it for yourself. Now, the Gemara asks, Amamara, the time of the Brites said said, the garment that was finished off by the tailor has these two threads, and then the, the laundry could take it off and keep it for himself. On that Vanan time, we learned the Mishnah Shalish, it's three threads. So the Gemara says, Leikash, it's not a difficulty. Ha Balimi. The time the Bryce is talking about two threads, because he's talking about that the tailor put on these large threads. That's enough for two. And it's, he would put on two, that could be kept by the launderer. small one, so he put on three, so that could be kept by the by the launderer. Now the Bryce also said that that uh, the Yisraq, the, the Gemara is asking is that the Bryce said, you can't comb it to the along the warp. But El Erva only to the weft. On that, the Gemara says, but Tanya Ipcha, we learn another bride, it's exactly the opposite. It said, no, that actually you, could only, you should only comb it to the warp and not to the weft. So I think Gemara says, Lake Kash, it's not a difficulty, because it depends what. Huh, the one that we said that it should be Erva, it should be along the weft, that's Beglima. That's regarding a, a talus, a, a, a garment that's made to wear every single day. Now, if you're going to comb it along the weft, so that's going to tear easily because it's the outer part that's the more rugged part. The, the, the weft is the, is the thinner. That's going to get destroyed if you do it that way. So although it, it's actually more beautiful, as we'll see in a moment, but for the regular daily garment, which you need wear and tear, then you shouldn't do it that way. It should only be le'ervoi. Ha'besarvala, the one that said that it should be done along the chassis, which is the warp, that's told about a, a, an honorable cloak that he wears for 
for a, a dinner party, something that's more honorable on Shabbos. So there then, yes, you should comb it because that makes it more beautiful, although it makes it more delicate, more fragile, but again, it's not something you're wearing your daily crying type of thing. So then, yes, actually, then it should be the opposite. So the Bryce said, You shouldn't put on more than three stitches. As we said, for each of these loops that you tie them, so you, you do three stitches for that, for that loop which is when you're doing the teasling, that you should be able to stretch it so that you should be able to hit it with the stick to, to make the garment smooth. Now, Bayer Biyeme, Biyeme asked, says that the, the custom of the tailor is, when he's stitching something, is that he puts in the, the needle into the garment, and before he pulls the whole thread, he brings it back. He brings it through. He takes it one way, and then he brings it back. Now the question is, these three threads that the Bryce has said that that's the limit you could do with the loops because we don't want you to be able to make it so tight because then you're going to be stretching more and then you're going to be taking more threads for yourself and it's going to be lost to the owner. So amtuye vasuye chad is putting it through and bringing it back. Is that considered one stitch? And therefore when, they said, when the time the Bryce said you could do three, it means to do three going and comings? Or maybe, no, amtuye vasuye trey. Putting it through and bringing it back is actually considered two, and therefore three would be just putting it back one more time, and that's the amount you could do. So it's like more take a let's stand. It's not clear what does it mean. Three stitches is that a full round, or each way going is considered one. Now the Bais said and this is that halacha that we said why you can't do more than three stitches for the loop because you're going to be keeping those, which is when you mash it, when you even it out so that it looks you know don't have any threads hanging out. So he said, So this garment, you smooth it out along its length, but not on its width. And the bride said exactly the opposite, that you smooth it along the width and not along the length. So the Gemara is not a difficulty. By a garment, as we mentioned before, is that you smooth it along the length, as we said, because that's the part of the garment that's, that's showing, and that's the primary thing. So we said that's where you stretch it from. The Bryce that said that you actually do it along the width was talking about by a belt, because by a belt, actually the only part of the cloth belt that you see are the two edges that are hanging, which are the width of the belt. And therefore, actually, the way you're going to stretch it from, and that way you have to smooth it out from, is actually the two edges, which are the width of that belt. So therefore, there it's going to be the width and not the length that you even out. Turn about Linda Bryce. A person cannot purchase from a syrik, again in contrast to a kaivis, to a laundry, but for someone that does the combing, you can't because there he gets out a lot of the wool when he does this combing, so you can't buy these meichen, which are the wool that comes out from this syrik, from the guy who combs it. Again, as we said, because it's not his, it belongs to the owner. But in the place where the custom is that the one who combs it gets to keep it, so then like, and then you could purchase from him. But in any place, you could purchase from him a pillow that's full with this stuffing of the wool, or a blanket that's full of this stuffing. My time, what's the reason? Because because he acquired it, even if, it's, even if it is a suspect that it was stolen, but since it's only suspicion, so then this amount of shinoi that it's changed, because now it's not considered meichen anymore, now it's considered part of the pillow or the blanket, that's a change, and therefore that's not a problem about stealing. Stealing, buying stolen goods, the only problem if it's still really owned by the original owner, then you're the ganav. But if someone else already had acquired it by ch- making a change in it, then you could purchase from that person, and therefore you could purchase from the, from the, from the syrik, the, the meichen in that situation, if it's part of a pillow or a blanket. Turn about the 
We cannot purchase from a weaver. Loy irin, which irin is that the, the custom of a weaver is that they put a certain amount of wool on the edge of this rod, which is used for the ariv, which is the weft thread, because the way it works that you have these warp threads on that are called these heddles that are on this loom, and then you have to pass through the weft threads from left to right and back again. So the way you do that is you can't, it's not, it's very hard to just go through with your hands. So you throw this rod that has, that's in part of this, that has a spool on it. And, but, but we don't want the, the what, we don't want the pieces to fall off. So they put on, since we don't want the, 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 the web thread to fall off the rod, so they would put on this, what's called this era, which is this small amount of wool. And that keeps it in place. That generally was given to the, to the weaver, besides the thread itself, also that, although the tools are owned by the weaver, but that amount of wool was given by the homeowner also to allow him to do his job. So therefore you can't buy from the weaver because it's from the owners and then he's stealing it. So to Belay Nirin, you can't purchase from him these heddles, which these are essentially the warp threads that were tied onto the loom. And because these are all part of what's provided for by the owner. which Rashi says this is trimish, which this is basically the, the weft threads, which are made for, for uh, the tapestry, which are actually woven standing, different type of a, of a weaving process. And they wouldn't make this rod that we said about like the way the weavers would do. But again, this is, these weft threads were provided by the owner, and therefore you can't buy it from the weaver. Neither can you buy the leftovers of the spools of thread, which again is provided from the owner. Aval, but says the price but what you could purchase from the weaver is either, even begged manumer, meaning even if it's spotted, this speckled, this garment, and it has many different colors, so although there's suspicion to think that where'd you get all these different colors from because you took it from all the wool of all the garments that you wove and all the leftovers really belong to those owners, this guy went and took it, and so it's stolen goods. Still, you could buy it from the weaver because he acquired it with a shino because now he changed it. He went and made it into a garment. So therefore, you could go ahead and buy it from him. And so too, this includes... Ariv weft thread or Vashesi warb thread or Tavi spun thread or Vaarig or woven thread, which in these last two cases, meaning the first two of the Ariv the and the Shesi, which again, even th- th- that they're speckled, since he did something to that, and, and therefore you could buy it from him. And so too regarding this spun and this woven thread, Rashi says that refers to the, the woven thread which is taken from the stoppers, these Irin which are there to hold the, the, the Arif thread on the spool, still we say that, we said that you, you, he can't take it, but if he went and, and this weaver went and wove it into something, so you could buy from him, because again, he acquired it with Hashina by changing it. Since he changed it, although these things are definitely look like he stole it from people, since he changed it, you can go ahead and purchase from him. Now, however, on this halacha of the Bryce, the Gemara says, Amir, they asked, if you said you could purchase from him when he already spun the thread, so he changed it, so do you have to say you could buy from him woven thread? But the problem is, is that you have to spin the thread before you weave it. So you already acquired it from, acquired it from the spinning. Why do you have to say you could buy from him woven thread? Of course. So the Gemara says, no, my Arig, what does it mean you could buy from him woven thread? It means tiche. It means even if he just made it into like links, where he didn't really weave it, 
because if to weave you need to first spin the thread. He just made it into these types of loops. That's what he means by woven. So it's not even spun. That's the Chiddush that even that is considered a Shinoi, even though it wasn't spun, and we'll call that weaving, and therefore you could buy it from him. So to turn on Luna Brysa, in Leichim and Hatzava, a person is not allowed to purchase from a dyer, someone who dyes garments for somebody. Loi Oisois, not those pieces of the garment which are used to, as a sign to test, meaning when they would bring a garment to the dyer. So he would cut off a small piece of the garment in front of the owner to know, to, to test it, to see if it's going to take in and absorb the dye that he wants to make that color. Now sometimes the dye would hold on to it and the owner would forget about it, but it really belongs to the owner, so therefore you can't buy that from the dyer. And also, neither can you buy samples from the dyer because the owner would bring, he would bring from his own house a swatch of a, a dyed piece of garment and he would bring a small piece to say, I want like this color, I have something at home with this thing. He would show him a sample, but again, that's from the owner. And neither can you buy from the dyer that are pieces that are torn off from the shearings of the wool, which the dyer allegedly stole piece by piece from the thing that he was dying. You can't buy those small pieces of torn piece of wool from him. Avil bought, again, the same idea, you could purchase from him a dyed garment, which because, first of all, a whole garment, he's generally not going to steal from somebody. And even if he did steal, he acquired it by making a shini because he changed it, he already dyed it. And Tavi, you could buy from him spun thread or begadim garments, which these are also from these samples which he spun or he made garments out of them, you can go ahead and buy it from him again because he had made, he acquired it with a shinoi. Now the Gemara asked the same question as in the previous halacha, hash the tabi shakal, if you could purchase from the dyer, if he spun it, so begadami boy, they have to say you could purchase from him garments, but you can't make a garment unless you first spun the thread. So the Gemara said, my begun, what does it mean garments? It means namte, it means felt, which... There, the garment is made by pressing it without actually spinning the threads. That's the halacha that was saying that you could even purchase from a garment that's considered shino, even though it wasn't even spun. If someone gives hides, leather, to an, a tanner, la'abdan, so so the parts which are cut off from the leather, from the hide, are all around, and vahatslushin, and that's the wool that's first taken off from the, from the hide. So, those are significant things that belong to the owner. But, that which comes out from the, the, from the actual washing of the, of the hide after all those things were taken off and then a the little bit still comes off. So, that's that belongs to the tanner because that's a small amount of thing and that the owner gave up on his mafgrid and therefore he could keep it for himself. Now, the Gemara goes back to explain our Mishnah that said that the, there are three threads that the tailor leaves on after he finishes up a garment, so that when the launderer comes to wash that garment, he can keep for himself. And moreover, the Mishnah said, but if they were black, then even more than three, that, because it doesn't look well with the white garment underneath, so then the, the launderer could keep all that. Now, Amr Behuda, he says, Katsara Shemei, the launderer in Aramaic is called Katsara. Now, he says, it's not for nothing, because the Katsara, this that he actually shrinks, he, he, he shortens the garment, as we said, because he take off all these threads and he can keep it for himself. Shakali, that's what he's taking. And if it's very appropriate for him to be called Katsar, although that's not why in Aramaic it's called that, but he says it's appropriate because he's also shrinking the garment. He's keeping some of those threads for himself. Now, relating to these threads at the edge, 
Am Rabbi Yehuda, he says, Hakoil, those three threads that we said that the, tailor, that the launderer could take for himself, if the launderer did not cut them off, so oilin laminyat chelis, so they're actually, they, they are included in the measurement of the halacha regarding tzitzis, of the, the tchelis strings of a person's tzitzis. In other words, it teaches that the, there's, uh, there's a, the joint from a person's thumb, his, his, his middle joint to the tip of his thumb. That's the measurement that a person has to distance the tchelis of his tzitzis from the edge of the garment. So the Gemara teaches himself, that it can't be all the way at the edge al kamfibigdeyem which our holes in our tzitzis garments are a little bit above the edge. That's how much it has to be. It has to be at least that, that, that from the joint of the thumb to the tip of the thumb. So says Rabbi Yehuda, those strands, that, those strings that were there at the edge are included in that measurement. So therefore, even though it's not distant from the, from the garment, but just from those threads, that amount, that's going to be good. But but he says, my son Yitzchak was particular about those threads and he would take them off because it's a, it's a questionable if it's really part of the garment or not and therefore if that's a fulfillment of being that amount from the distance so that he would take them off not to be part of that question. Now the Mishnah said, the tailor that after he finished sewing the garment so he has, a small, he has some amount of thread left so if he has a amount of thread that he could be tafer with, that he could still sew with, then we said, that, okay, that's enough, a significant amount of thread, that goes to the owner. So the Gemara has become a lit for how much is it that could be used to sew that he has to give to the owner the, the, the leftover thread. So Amravasi says, it's maloy machat, it's the amount of the length of the, of the needle, and v'chutz machat, meaning, and additionally, has to be the amount that can go beyond the, the needle. Because as long as you don't have the amount of thread that could go beyond the, the, nail, the, the needle itself, it's just exactly the amount of the needle, then you can't sew anything, can't stitch anything in the garment because you have to be able to come back. So therefore, it's the amount of the thread of the needle and beyond that. So Ibaila had the following question. Meloy machat, is it the length of the needle? And bechutz machat, kemeloy machat? And you have to have the amount of the needle and additionally the amount of the needle, that amount beyond that? Or maybe, no, you have to have the amount of thread that could go the length of the needle. And what comes out of the needle that you have to have a little bit more could be even just a little bit amount. And that's already considered a significant portion that the owner, that it goes to the owner. So the Moses Toshima, come in here to tell you, prove it from the following Brisa. Brisa says, Let's say the tailor left over the amount of thread that's less than the amount that you could use to sew. Or, so let's say that he left over an amount that he cut off from the garment, less than three finger breadths by, by three finger breadths. So although the halacha of the Mishnah told us that the, 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 in these cases the tailor could keep it, but says the b'raise, if the owner is particular about it, then it belongs to the owner. If the owner is not particular about it, then we assume then it belongs, the tailor could keep it. Now that says the Gemara, if you say, that the amount of thread that has to be left over, which we normally assume could go to the tailor, but if it has this amount, it goes to the owner, is the amount of the length of the needle, plus that amount, plus that amount double, then so we would understand why the Bryce is saying that if the owner is particular, that meaning even if it's less than two times the amount of the length of the nail, less than that, it's still fit to use it to sew on these loops that we actually mentioned before, which are used when we do the teasling process. So there is, there is a utility of it. 
But if you can entertain to say that the amount that normally goes to the owner is the a needle's length and just a little bit beyond that, so pachis So then less than that, what what can you even use it for? You can't even put it through and then bring it back through the garment. You already used up that amount of thread. So why are we saying that of oh, the owner's particular less than that amount? Oh, then you have to give it to him. Well, how would he particularly? There's nothing to use it for. Rather, you can refer from there that that the halacha that we generally assume that it goes to the owner is only if it has the amount of the needle plus that double, then that's something that is significant. Then we assume it goes to the owner. Less than that, we assume it goes to the tailor. Unless if it's particular, because then you could use it for sikhsa. But if it's less than that, then it has no utility, and therefore the shear that it goes to the owner is only if it's double the amount, not just a little bit more. Now the Mishnah said, Masha Kharish, this that the carpenter cuts over this ma'atzad, then this adzi, then he could keep it for himself. It's just a small shearings, small shavings. But if you use a card mahatchet, that what he's cutting off from, let's say the wood, is significant pieces. That goes to the owner that hired him, that gave him the, the, the actual things to, to work on. Now, Verminda, however, the Gemur contradicts this from the following b'risa. The b'risa says, Masha the same aloha of our Mishnah, this that the carpenter takes away when he's using this tool to cut with, or or this that he chops off with some type of a, a knife that has these ridges in it, and it cuts very quickly, like a saw. So it's like, let's say if the, 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 the wood is too long, so he, he chops it off, so So these are significant things. And therefore, the, the shaving, whatever comes off, goes to the owner, which this Allah is what the one that contradicts our Mishnah. Because we said one of the cases is our Mishnah said it goes to the carpenter, and here it's saying it goes to the balabais. The Gemara continues quoting from the Brisa. But whatever comes out when he drills into the wood, which what comes out is small little shavings in the place where he cut, it's just more like like, uh, like dust, or umitachas rohitni. This that comes out from when he uses a plane, which again is also small little shavings like dust, is the sawdust, or vahanigur bimagera, or again also what, when he used the saw just to shave at the edge where it was cut, that comes out small like sawdust, so that belongs to the carpenter. So one thing is that we see the contradiction, what's the halacha by a matzad? So Marabi says, not a difficulty. But as the Tana Didan, in the locale of the Tana of our Mishnah, Ikatarti Chatzine, there were actually two types of tools that, were, that, were, that are the same functionality. Now, Lerabasi Karla Kashil, the large one was called an axe. And the small one was called a Matzad. So therefore, yes, the Matzad of our Mishnah, when you're cutting, you're only going to be getting small little shavings, that could go to the carpenter. But the the ton of butter, but the ton, the place of the ton of the brisa, chadudik. There was actually only one such tool for karla matzad, and they, they called that tool a matzad, and that was large, and that would cut off large pieces, and that's why the ton of brisa says that it goes to the owner. But that's because it's a different matzad. It was the larger one, and the ton of our mishnah talking about the smaller one. That's why our mishnah said it goes to the carpenter, and the brisa says it goes to the owner. Now the, the, the Mishnah concluded by saying, but vimhoya oisa eitz luchulu. However, that all the all the halachas of the Mishnah that it goes to the carpenter when they're not significant is only when he's a koblin. But if he's a schir yaim, he's just working. He's just a laborer that was hired by the owner to work in his house and do some work, and everything is provided by the owner. Then it goes to the owner. And so the Gemara could, it concludes by quoting Tanabon that we learned the Brisa that mesasasi avonim, those who chisel stone, 
I mean, they, 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 they square it off and they smooth it out. There's no problems about theft, meaning the owners are not particular about their shavings that come off and he could keep it. So to mefaske ilanis, when there's a lot of more, too much branches, so they would cut off, they break off branches that are in between, which has the word of pisug, which is the term of jumping and widening, so to expand the, the room for the tree to grow, they would break off pieces of the branches. Or mefaske gefanim, or these people that would prune the, the grapevines, or menakvehigi, or these people that would do the same type of a pruning in thorn bushes or or people that would prune by grains, which they would take out these vegetables that grow amongst the grains. Or those who would hoe and prune by the vegetables, which when there's too, many, too much vegetables that, that tight together, they would take out one from amongst the other ones, again, that it could have room to expand and to, to grow. So says the Brisa, at a time when the owner is particular about these things, then, it's, then there's a problem about theft. But when there's the, the owner is not particular about these things, so then, they, again, it belongs to the one who's doing the pruning to keep it for himself. Amir Yehuda says another halacha, kishus, which are hops, chaziz, which is known as shachas of grain, which is when you take wheat or barley when it's still in the vegetable state. So in Behem Mishum Gezel, there's no halachic problem about theft. But it's a place where they are particular, because even though it grows back, but they're particular about it, then yes, then there would be a problem about theft. And on Ravina, he says, this place, which that's a place of cattle, and they need to have good pasture for the, for the grazing of the animals, is it's a place where they are particular, because even though taking the, the chaziz is not really concerned for the owner, because it's going to grow back, and he's going to get whatever he planted anyway, but in this place where they need it for the animals to eat it, actually, and then they'll have their grain, which will grow back anyway. So it's a particular difference there. There's a problem about gezel. Hanulach gezel basu. We shall return to you the, the last parak gezel, which is parak gezel amachel, the tenth parak in Masechet Babakama. We slikelam Masechet Babakama. We have concluded the Masechta of Babakama of the first of the three babas of the seder of Nazikin.